0: Turn with me over to John, <clears throat> 1 John, chapter 2, First John, chapter 2. The title of this message today is misloved, misloved. The word does not exist, but I made it up because I needed to have something that fit my sermon. <laughs> People have misloved. They have loved the wrong thing. And First John speaks about this the writer John himself is trying to communicate to the church about how we can love properly and accurately and he says in 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 do not love the world nor the things in the world for if anyone loves the world the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world, verse 16, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world when the world is passing away, verse 17, and also its lusts but the one who does the will of God lives forever Lord help us as we study three points I want to bring up to you today on this one, there is a forbidden love, two, there is a foolish love, and three, there is a fatherless love forbidden love John works really hard at trying to communicate truth with such clarity that it hits you in the face, whereby you have to say, what was that? First John is all about trying to bring clarity to ambiguity. They can't figure out in the church what the love of God looks like in a person who's supposed to be a Christian. And John is trying to take away all of the the cloudiness And say, this is what it is. It's very, very clear. If you obey his commandments, you prove your love for him. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. If you love your brother, then you're doing good and you walk in the light. But if you hate your brother, don't say you love God. In fact, you evidence the fact that you really don't. He's making it really, really clear. But in his... In his attempt and, and success at making it clear, there's a lot between two phrases that you just say, how'd you get from that first phrase to the second phrase? Okay, I got that I'm supposed to do this, and I see the results, but you know something I don't. There's stuff you're not saying that I need some help in. And he, I think he does this intentionally, primarily so that we would discover because the process of discovery helps with retention. If somebody just gives you the answer to the test, you got what you wanted. Anybody remember how to conjugate a verb? <laughs> Decline a noun? Anybody at all? Yet you had to answer that in grammar at some point in English. In fact, you don't even know what I just said. no idea. (laughs) Point being if you're not interested in the subject itself to discover it on your own, you very rarely ever retain that which you knew. The process of discovery helps in the retention. When something's valuable generally speaking it takes a lot of work and effort to get it. Combining those two thoughts that the process of discovery helps in retention and when something's valuable it takes a lot of work to get it John is trying to help us understand something when you go through the scriptures and bring out your shovel and begin to dig oh my goodness you don't forget that which you find anybody found a diamond lying on the corner of 17th and K they are so far under the earth and if somebody takes them out of the earth they put them under lock and key and the only way you can access them is to bring your credit card that's it or stroke a check it's going to cost you to get at that when they are under the earth you've got to give some some seismologists and some some geologists to figure out how the formation of the earth and the tectonic plates all fit together whereby this this process and this the way the, the mountains formed here and the way the earth was put together here looks like the place where diamonds ought to be. And so they, they know where they think diamonds ought to be most likely before they ever start digging. That's why they're not digging in your backyard. Because they know diamonds aren't there. They know where gold is most likely. It's a little bit harder with gold. But diamonds are a little bit easier because it, it, there's a pattern and then once they spend millions of dollars to pay these, these geologists to figure out where the diamond, then they got to do the, the excavation. And by the time they have unearthed their first diamond, they have spent tens of millions of dollars just to get a few rocks out of the earth. It takes a lot to get stuff that's valuable. God says this in Hebrews 11, he rewards those who diligently seek him. He rarely reveals himself to the casual inquirer. So if you're not working hard to find him, don't worry, you won't. No pressure. If you ain't working hard to find him, you won't. Oh, you go to heaven, but you won't find him in your circumstances. He'll be there, you just won't see him. You won't find him in your money. You won't find him in your health. You won't find him in a lot of places because you don't work hard enough. You aren't diligent enough to search these scriptures and, and, and get in prayer and fast and say, God, I know you're here someplace. It doesn't feel like it. I can't see you readily, but I know you're here and I am not going to stop seeking till I find you. You got to find him in your marriage. You got to find him in your relationships. Even when it's difficult, that's when you need to look the most because he's not going to reveal himself to the casual inquirer, because there's too much value there. Too much value, it, 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 it should be given to him or her who seeks with all their heart. And when you work that hard, you retain. You don't forget. Here, John says there's a forbidden love. Don't love the world, nor the things in the world. Now, this is pretty easy to get. He's not saying don't love people. He's not saying, don't care about the planet. Don't be a good environmentalist. He's talking about the world system. Don't love the world system. Don't love the way the world thinks. The world is going the wrong way. It's got a different value system than scripture. The world says, I'm first, and I'm going to get mine and hold on to it as much as I can, as quick as I can, as strong as I can. The world is always thinking about how it can satisfy itself. The world system is not concerned about the things of God. It's based on selfishness. It's based on lust. And we should not be about the world system. It's based on greed, malice, envy. Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 4 calls the devil, the God of this world. And in doing so he's not saying the God of the universe, the true and living God is not superintending over all things. What he's saying is this that Adam, as the resident landlord of the planet, when God gave the planet to Adam, he said, steward over it, rule over it, I give you the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, all of it's yours when Adam then bowed his knee to Satan, Satan became the resident Lord and ever since then, he's been running stuff down here doesn't mean that God is not overarchingly in control it just means that there is a system that has been put in place by Satan through mankind and man is perpetuating that through his selfishness this world system is not congruous with God it doesn't flow in the same direction it is antithetical to everything we find in scripture it is wrong and every once in a while Somebody will come up with an idea or a thought that seems to be compassionate and wonderful and merciful, And, and folks will think, well, see, that person seems to have it all together, and because they came up with one idea that somehow or another seems a whole lot like what Scripture mandates and seems to be right, they will follow them in all of their ideas. But James talks about that, that there is a wisdom of the world, and then there's a wisdom from heaven. The wisdom that comes from heaven is peaceable, gentle, and full of righteousness, always satisfies, works out perfectly, and benefits the whole in terms of the kingdom and everybody else around. But then there is this wisdom that comes from the earth down below that's demonic and selfish in its orientation, and it leads to death. It sounds right. You ever heard the wisdom of a drug dealer? I'm taking the most crazy extreme. I got that. But there are a lot of smart drug dealers out there. That's why they ain't caught. And they, they, they're pretty wise in the way they do what they do in terms of earthly wisdom. They're making sure their suppliers got what they need. Giving bonuses at Christmas. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. They know how to make sure the people who are loyal to them stay loyal to them and they use a little bit of wit. You think, boy, they got something going on. They drug dealers. (laughs) Drug dealers. You can't love any part of the world. None of it. Nor can you love the things that are in the world. So it's the system and the way the world thinks without God, thinking they don't need God thinking that God is irrelevant to them, God is restrictive, God is trying to hymn us in, God's a killjoy, He's not interested in our pleasure and our joy. <sighs> and then there's, there are the things in the world, uh, the, the, the material possessions. You, 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 can't, you can't love them. You shouldn't love them. And the reason God doesn't want you to love them is because you cannot love Him and them. It's, it's just impossible you, see what, whatever you are unconditionally committed to and these are the words that are used every time in this passage when the word love is said it's agape or some de- declension of it which means unconditional love whenever you give that kind of love and attention to something not just affectionate kind of love which is phileo the love between sisters or brothers we're talking about the kind of love that God has for us. Whenever you give that, it is, it is all-encompassing. It swallows up every bit of your attention and your affections and your heart desires. There's no room for anything else, especially that which is in competition to it. So when you love like God wants us to love, it, it, it envelops all that you are, and then everything else you give your attention to flows through that things that are in the world when you begin to gravitate toward that all of a sudden you also begin to serve it because when you love something that unconditioned you begin to serve it and do its will and jesus encapsulates these concepts like this in matthew chapter 6 verse 24 he says you can't love both god and mammon can't do it you will either love one and hate the other or cling to one or despise the other you cannot serve two masters absolutely impossible so there's no way you can be a really good christian and please understand what i'm saying he's talking to the church here john is communicating to christian folk so these people are probably going to heaven most of them who are in the church And he's saying this, I'm not saying you can't get to glory. I'm just saying you can't be a great example of what Jesus wants you to be here. You will not have the love of the Father perfected in your life if you keep going in this direction. You cannot love things in the world. Because they will take your attention away from that which is important for your progress in God. They will compete with all your affections. And all of a sudden, you will be vying for whose will is most important. God, I want this career. I want this job. I've been working for it for 10 years. Bless it. Well, I'd like you to do something else. I want you to go on the mission field. No, 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 no. I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. One guy said to me, he said, I got, I got a little add-on to that. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, and push. <laughs> 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 That's the way we think. I want to go that way. I want to go that way. God, I can't believe you aren't into my agenda. Why aren't you endorsing my plan? Okay. Competition. You can't serve God well like that. Can't. You can't ask him to come and help you do what you want to do. You can't love the world nor the things in the world. Forbidden love. Forbidden. Secondly, there's foolish love. He says, for if if you love the world, the love of the Father is not on the inside. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not on the inside. If you love the world, you are disqualified from loving God the way you should. Disqualified. Disqualified. Because you cannot serve two masters. Absolutely critical that you are singular in your devotion. No competition. Your heart is not bifurcated. See, when, when you love something unconditionally, again, the word agape, when you love like that, it gets on the inside of you. So when you love the world, The love of the Father doesn't have enough room in there. You don't love Him like you should. But you do love the world. And what you love gets on the inside of you. So if you love the Father, the Father is just filling every crevice of your soul and his will happens to be that which you desire more than any other and all you do every day you wake up and you say Lord I'm so happy I get to fulfill your purpose in my life today this is really great what can I do for my family for your benefit what can I do for my employer for your benefit how can I serve my community what can I do for my church how much can I give to the orphans what might I do to help with the building program oh God my life is yours today this is the greatest day I have ever lived But when you love the world, you're thinking, well, I got to get some more of that. Mm -hmm, Yeah, I got to get some more money. I got to get some more career. I got to get some more letters after my name. I got to get some more her. I got to get some more hers. Uh, I got to get more. I got to get more. Because if you love the world, the world will get on the inside of you. You love the world, the love of the Father is not on the inside. Whatever you love gets on the inside. I love my wife. Maybe there are men who love their wives as much as I love mine, but nobody more. I love my woman. She's amazing. 26 years, stayed with this knucklehead husband. (laughs) Amazing woman. I've given her no legitimate cause to divorce me, but many causes to be mad at me. I am all man all man I don't listen and I don't talk I have to train myself to make sure my body language doesn't say I'm not interested get to the point I know where we're going with this but get to the point I am all man I'm not proud of it but I am and make myself happy about the journey of conversation though we are in DC trying to get to Miami she wants to go through LA that's cool that's cool let's go on the journey baby I know how to get to Miami faster but if you want to go to LA we can hit Seattle too if you want to now Yes, sir, we go north against south. (laughs) That she stays with this knucklehead husband is amazing to me. Best woman since Eve. That's how great she is. And because I love her so much, she fills my heart. She's on the inside of me. On the inside. Now, I'm going to make an analogy here. There are guys that love their wives. But they got affections for somebody else. And they make mistakes. They blow it. They do the wrong thing. And they can still say they love their wives. In fact, I haven't been in an appointment where a guy's messed up where he didn't say, I don't love my wife. Most of the time, it's, I love my wife, I just, it, it just, it, and they got all the excuses under the planet, none of them any good. But the problem is, they don't love like this. They define love as affection. They define love as emotion. They define love as she meets a need in my life and I don't know anybody else who can meet that need like she does none of it is defined as God defines love which is is an unconditional disposition towards somebody else's well-being even if it means sacrificing myself if you love somebody like that you can't love anybody else in competition because in order to be affectionate to somebody else It's to the detriment of the other person you've committed yourself to. So it's not based on emotion. It's based on commitment. That's what love is. You listening to me? So when you love somebody like God says, they fill all that down on the inside. But the problem is most people, when they say, I do, they think they love, but they really lust now I'm not talking about the kind of lust that is sexual in its orientation I'm talking about the kind of lust that just wants that's what lust is it just wants I want you to meet my need I want you to listen to me I want you to complete me I need you to help me be a better me and if you don't help me be a better me I might not love you as much as I thought I did and that's why people who say, I do, later say, I don't. Because they didn't get that need met. And they based their decision to commit their life to somebody else on lust rather than love. Now, I know that sounds simplistic, but when you understand what love is, it, it doesn't, there's no other way to do it. Because after you get past the affection and emotion, all that stuff that makes you just say, she completes me. She's amazing. Oh, gosh, she really thinks I hung the moon. She talks to me. Oh, we're on the phone for hours. (laughs) Yeah, once you get past all that stuff where you're feeling really better about somebody who's trying to put their best foot forward so you will marry them. And once they got you, whether it's man to woman or woman to man, never man to man, never woman to woman. But once they got you, say amen. amen. Once they got you, now it's too, see, you, you're scared. <laughs> y'all scared. That, that whole lobby thing out there in the same section got y'all scared. Say amen. amen. Yeah, yeah. Now, I love all the people who involved that lost lifestyle. I ain't got no issue. I love them, care about them, love all humanity. But we got some disagreement about who can marry who. Amen. Just some disagreement. You can't redefine marriage You can't do that God made that thing It's not your choice to redefine what God said No, 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 no Doesn't mean I love you any less We just disagree But once you say I do Now it's just two people See you got, you got them, you got her And now they They're not trying to put their best foot forward they Ain't opening doors for you they Ain't sending flowers to you what for? <laughs> they got you. <laughs> no nice Victoria's Secret stuff, no more. <laughs> no perfume, nothing, just. Mm hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and now the breath stinks. Stay in the bathroom too long. <laughs> Just all these little things start getting at you. And, and, and now you said something and they didn't hear it right and they're mad at you. And, and, and now, boy, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought they were supposed to help me feel better about me, but they're telling me everything I'm doing wrong and I don't ever seem to measure up to their expectations and, and I thought they were supposed to encourage me and help me feel better about me and I thought I was supposed to really be built up and I'm feeling torn down every day me isn't getting met my needs aren't being fulfilled I didn't sign up for this and now you get an opportunity to love but you don't know what that means because you base love on how it's supposed to make you feel, not how you're supposed to make the other person feel. Having said all that, this is not a marriage seminar. This is a long analogy. <laughs> long time ago, I said, my, as good as my woman is, as good as she is, there are still things that bug me. And every human being, as long as you live with somebody, you'll find stuff that because they are sons and daughters of Adam. Right. Yeah. It's inevitable. You'll find something that just bugs the heck out of you. And it ain't going away. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going away. It ain't going away. You got to live with it for the rest of your life. I'm not talking about sin. Just stuff. Yeah. That's when you say this, Lord. Lord. I will sacrifice myself for their benefit and love them like you love me. And whether I ever become happy has nothing to do with whether I stay. Has nothing to do with how I treat her or him. Happiness is a secondary thing. I choose to make her happy. Even if it means I become unhappy. Now the beauty is this. In every marriage relationship, if both parties are like that, nobody's unhappy. but if everybody is trying to draw their happiness from the other party both parties are inevitably unhappy this is the kind of love that we need to have because it's the God kind of love and when it's always about you being happy there's no room for the love of the Father on the inside that kind of love which is unconditional because it's always about me I need, I need, I need, I need, I need and as long as you are the needy you cannot be the giver in order for you to be the kind of Christian you ought to be the love of the Father has to be on the inside of you the revelation of how he cared for you now becomes a revelation of how you care for others how you disposition yourself toward the world How you view it and that your life is to be a sacrifice for the benefit of many. Every day you're trying to figure out how I can carry my cross, not how somebody else can carry theirs for me. You need to sacrifice for me. You need to help me. You need to be what I need you to be for me. No, that is lust, not love. And only when we begin to understand what God did for us can we begin to love people the way they ought to be loved and treat this world the way it ought to be treated. Be the example of who God is on the planet. If you love the world, the love of the Father can't get in there. Again, does not mean you can't go to heaven. Not judging that. You just won't be a very good Christian here. And when the love of the Father is not there, All that's left is lust, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Fatherless love leads to that. It's all that's left because that's all that's left in this world. It's how we were miswired when Adam sinned. It's our genetic predisposition, spiritually speaking. It's the thing that leans us in the wrong direction from God. Lust, me, 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 I want, I need, gimme, gimme, gimme. And as long as that's there, we will be led by this. And again, whatever you love gets on the inside. You love the Father, the love of the Father gets on the inside. If you love the world, the world gets on the inside. And all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. I see it, I want it. I desire it, I want it. And I want to be somebody. I want people to respect me. I want to make a difference in this world whereby others can pat me on the back and say how wonderful I am, boastful pride of life. I need to be somebody, and we will step on folks to get there. We'll demean them to make ourselves feel better. We will rejoice in other people's failure. Why? Because it doesn't make us feel so bad. It makes us understand, well, I didn't. I didn't, maybe I didn't do that, or they did it, so whatever I did brings me on the same level as them. I feel good about that. We have a, that's why we have a hard time rejoicing with people who get promotions. It's one of these, congratulations, because <laughs> we're sitting there thinking, you got it before me. Your ego wasn't stroked. You weren't promoted. You weren't patted. Boastful pride of life. When you're securing God, you can go, congratulations, I am so happy for you. That's just great. When it's all about you, you can't ever rejoice when somebody does well. And there's a little something on the inside of you. When somebody doesn't do well, it says, good. I feel better about me now. Are you getting this? John's trying to help us. This is how we need to love God singularly in no competition with anything else. Solely focused on Him and letting all of the, the agendas that we have flow through that. So the agenda for marriage flows through that. The agenda for our career flows through our love for God. The agenda for our relationships, our friendships flow through God. All of our life flow right through the love of the Father. Lord, I want Your will for my life, not mine. John is trying to help his people. Say, love God. Don't love the world. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for your goodness. I'm praying that you would help us all to love you better. And to love each other.